Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. Okay, so I'm joined today with a small group of parents to talk about what happens when you have extended family conflict. Um, I hope that this isn't something that um, families have to experience, but let's be real. It does happen. And of course, as you know, things could be going on smoothly and then um, extended family conflict arises even later in life. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what this looks like. There was a few, hi, I'm David. And I have a daughter who's now 11 years old on the spectrum. Um, understanding that it took me a while to get my mind wrapped around this thing. I can only imagine how it would be for others who, you know, don't live in the circumstance from a day to day. But for instance, one member of the extended family, um, quite like myself, was in denial for quite some time. And I guess they just have to process things their own way. But it was particularly frustrating in that we, uh, my wife and I, Meg, would try to illustrate to the individuals of the extended family, you know, what's going on, what this looks like and this type of thing. And the hesitation to even accept our explanation of it, even though we're living in it. And then this particular member of the extended family then went and watched their favorite show on public broadcasting and their favorite newscaster. And that particular newscaster on a certain day talked about a story of his grandson that was on the spectrum and went through all the various things that that particular individual went through being on the spectrum and that type of thing. And it was a great story, but this is what resonated with him, you know, and now all of a sudden they could accept it on the basis that their favorite public broadcasting uh, personality was able to connect with them in a way that we couldn't. So yeah, it's frustrating. And at the same time, I do allow for the fact that, you know, just like with a lot of things, when you're too close to a situation, maybe you can't hear a message that you can hear through the vehicle of something else. But it is a little frustrating when these are members of your family and, you know, you seem to be the authority on the issue since it is, by and large, your family. <clears throat> okay, so David, I have to piggyback on this because um, I was that broadcaster person for another family, and this was so funny. So, um, um, John Goodman, who's joining us today in this particular podcast, him and I do a lot. He, you know, as a firefighter with the city of Spokane, we do a lot of training for first responders. Um, so we go to different departments, um, educating them on what autism is, and here's kind of where the behaviors manifest, and here's some ways to troubleshoot it, right? So John and I were in um, this particular district doing this training, and at the end, I do remember this one firefighter coming up and saying, oh my gosh, like this all just makes my personal life make so much more sense. Um, because, you know, my son is just everything that you just described um, to the letter. And so now I'm like thinking of all these things that I can do when I get home to be able to like be more understanding and be able to troubleshoot and just have that place of like compassion and empathy. And it's kind of like, oh, that's so great. Anyway, so that's ends the story for that moment until, you know, it was so wildly successful for us being there and doing this training you know, the department really valued it and they wanted to let the community know that, hey, we have done this training. And so they invited us to come and have a table at their community day. 
um, so that, um, you know, they could talk about that they've done this training and that, you know, like we were there on the site. So if people had questions, they could, you know, come by our table, blah, blah, blah. And this woman comes up and she was like, um, and she says to me, she says, oh, are you um, Holly, the one that um, came out and did the training for the fire department? And I was like, yeah, I am. She says, oh, well, because of you, I almost killed my husband. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Say that again? Like, uh, and she says, well, you know, uh, he may have mentioned that, you know, we have a son that's on the spectrum. And he came home from that training and he's just like, honey, like, oh my gosh, like I totally understand everything that's going on. You know, when he's doing this, it's blah, 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 blah. And what we need to respond to is this. And we need to, you know, help him regulate through this. Like he is a freaking expert on the subject. And she says, I just looked at him, fought back tears. And I said, you know what? These are all the things that I have been telling you for years because I get him. I understand why he needs this, why he needs sameness, why he needs all of these things. And I don't know crap. Now this Holly lady comes, she does this whole training, and now it's like, by God, she's a genius, and I'm going to come home and do all the things that my wife has been nagging me to do all of these years. So she said, I told him he had to sleep in the other bedroom because I was so angry at him because, like, it took you, and she says, now I am not, I, she says, I'm so grateful because if it took him listening to you and Lieutenant Goodman and learning this material for him to come home and connect with his child, I'll take it. But in the moment, I was like, it's safer for you to go and sleep down the hall because I'm so upset and I'm like, just, you know, I just need to process this. And I was like, I was speechless. I was like, oh my gosh, like glad that that worked out and you didn't kill him. But it's like, I appreciate that. You know what I mean? But it is, I would imagine, I would probably have that same reaction. You know, yeah, I'm going to kill you at this point. I'm surprised she didn't say, why don't you just go sleep at Holly's house? <laughs> well, uh, I'm John. I will tell you that a lot of the experiences I've had with extended family is that I feel like uh, my dad has been a huge advocate for Cooper and he pushes Cooper's limits a lot and he gives Cooper things to do, tasks, uh, you know, assembling things. My dad likes to do some long range target shooting with his rifle and he actually has Cooper help him reload ammunition when he's at risk. And, and uh, I realize it may not be politically correct, but we do live in the Northwest, so uh, it is what it is. But, uh, I see my dad, he doesn't have issues for limitations with Cooper, and I see other members of my family that do. They feel like that, well, Cooper's never going to do this and never going to do that. And my grandparents, you know, are still alive, oftentimes were surprised. They'd say, well, wow, Cooper can do this or do that. And I was like, well, yeah, of course. And so they saw it more as a limitation for him. And I guess there's conflict that, are, that had arisen from some of those types of things, some of the things he likes to do like opening and closing the refrigerator has caused issues at family functions and and I think that the tolerance sometimes of some of the family members maybe because of their lack of understanding uh, can be a source of irritation and sometimes can be a source of um, heated conversation because most of my family doesn't you know let things pass by too well they like a good argument and sometimes they're just looking for a source for it so maybe Cooper's a source of you know, there's, um, and just understand that, uh, it sounds like we're throwing family members under the bus, but this is just all part of the process of them understanding. So just sharing related experience, like for instance, in trying to grasp, once you find out that your kid is on the spectrum, all the various things that you need to do to address it, 
some of the things are going to be addressed immediately and some you're not going to find out about until like we found out too late that say a gluten-free diet might be good for your kid. Well, Morgan was already down the road of peanut butter and honey sandwiches and egos because that's the only thing she would eat. And so, you know, that portion of it, we were just going to have to put on the back burner. And then, of course, a member of the extended family came over and started suggesting all the amazing ways in which we could revolutionize and change her diet. And all I said was, I completely understand. And at the same time, we have to offset that by just nourishing our daughter. You know, and I thought it was an innocent statement. And the person was sort of like, well, you just you didn't have to go out and attack me about it. I was just sound like, and I'm like, you know, I can only really facilitate a couple children's feelings at a time. So I can't help you right now. I'm just going to have to let you oh, kind of live with that for right now <laughs> until, you know, I can circle back and maybe address this with you or maybe you can just get over it. But it's just, you know, that's how I felt at the time. I love it too. Like what some of our, <clears throat> some of our extended family conflicts um, over the years were like, you know, you know, Thanksgiving and, you know, and again, some of this was more because the other like typical children in the house just didn't understand the fact that Isaac had autism. So of course, you know, like they would want to watch something different on TV. So they would turn the channel for something that Isaac was watching and then it was just like a complete and total meltdown. And then that, you know, frustration from people, um, you know, like their parents, like, well, you know, like we can't constantly accommodate him. Like it's not fair to the other kids. And you're like, it's absolutely, you're absolutely right. So, but don't then become frustrated when, cause this tantrum now is going to be a while. Like, cause we are going to have to, you know, regulate him, try and find something that he's as interested in as what he was watching. And also we're in a new place cause we always had to travel to visit those family members. And so, um, you know, it's, you know, you find something that he's engaged with and he's enjoying and now you're taking it away because you're right, the other kids have needs too, but now I have to find something to supplement that. So do not then become frustrated or roll your eyes or be like, you know, well, we got to get out of here because it's just too loud um, because now you're just going to dump this me off. You know what I mean? Because, you know, help me out here. Like you can't have it, you can't have it always. You can't have, you know, okay, we're going to share the TV because we need to. Yes, we do. But then, you know, not then be understanding of the fact it's going to take a while to get him under control. The other thing, when you're talking about the food, um, Isaac was a very limited eater. Caleb is a very limited eater. And there's nothing worse, in my opinion, than having those well-meaning family members be like, well, you know, if they're hungry enough, they'll eventually eat. That doesn't work in autism world. You know what I'm saying? Or... You know, I uh, I will just be very honest and say my mother-in-law felt the need to um, really force Caleb to eat green beans, despite the fact that my ex-husband and I, my husband at the time, and I were saying that is a terrible idea. Like, um, it is not. He he will not tolerate the green beans, and it, he'll throw up. Like, he, you know what I mean? Like, this is a bad idea. But regardless, it was like, okay, you know what? Fine. Caleb, you know, grandma says you have to eat the green beans, and he threw up all over the table. You know what I mean? And I was just like, well, this is now going to be yours to clean up because, you know, if you're not going to listen to me and then the outcome happens exactly like I said, then we can't really be, uh, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm a lot of, you know, I'm not an expert at a lot, but I am an expert when it comes to my children. And I kind of, would I love him to be able to eat green beans? Yes, I love them. But he won't tolerate it. He also won't tolerate cooking certain foods in the house. It's just like, you know, that we just don't eat certain foods because it makes him physically sick to smell it. You know what I'm saying? And trying to get people to really understand that 
Um, yes, some people think that you're just, you know, like coddling them. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to pick my battles. And this is just not one I'm interested in, like, having to fight, you know? So... You know, I feel like there's one side of my family that I'm continually um, throwing under the bus as I'm recounting some of these memories. So let me uh, allow myself to throw my extended family under the bus that are related to me. Um, so <laughs> it was just, there was an instance. It was, it was early on, but we were all on a vacation together as an entire family unit, all the kids, all the adults. And, um, you know, in those circumstances, my brothers and sisters and all the kids, you know, if we're out together, and we're interacting, we're kind of shepherding all the kids together, except Morgan had kind of wandered off and started doing something. And I saw my brother and sister both kind of looking at her, not knowing what to do, just sitting there going. And I mean, it was as if they were just so hesitant because she was different. And what I wanted to say to them is like, guys, you can grab her and bring her back. But she's, it's not contagious. You will not catch this. I promise you. <laughs> she's like any other kid in that regard. You could bring it. But Again, I allow for the fact that, you know, it's took so long for us to still figure out what we're dealing with. And I don't even know I have my mind half wrapped around what we're dealing with. So I kind of understand, but at the same time, it's pretty humorous. Okay, I'm going to help you out here, David, because I think you're right. You might as well throw your own family under the bus a little bit, too. And my mom, and she will tell the story, so I don't have to feel terrible about sharing this one. But I will never forget, um, and this piggybacks on an early thing that you said, you know, just once you're, you get the diagnosis and you're trying to come to terms with it, that um, when Isaac was diagnosed, you know, my family was very supportive. I will say that. Um, and my in-laws were very supportive. They, for a long time, they were planning trips to Spokane every six weeks because they were bringing um, gluten-free food that was more readily available on the west side of Washington. Um, it was very, it was much more difficult to find gluten-free alternatives in eastern Washington. So every six weeks, they would come visit um, help us out a little bit and then of course bring the groceries but my mom was the one that really was struggling with this whole thing the most and it wasn't that she wasn't watching them it wasn't that she wasn't coming over there it's just she was not um an example is she'd say well you know my um oh sorry you know my my grandson you know he just um he he has problems right and it's like you know okay whatever and then my mom would be, you know, we'd be someplace and something else would happen. And it's like, you know, oh, no, 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 no. Um, oh, I'll handle it. You know, please, like, just, you know, everybody, I got this. You know, he's, um, we just, I, I got this. You know what I mean? And it's like one day I was like, finally, you know, something else had come up. And it's like, well, you know, and my mom would always like kind of pause and then like change. And so I finally said to her one day after like this had happened so many times, I was like, mom, like, at some point, you have to say the word. Your grandson has autism. Like, you have to, you know what I mean? Like, it almost, like, by you not saying it, it almost makes me more angry. Like, at what point are you just going to say the word? Like, just say it once. What, you know, like, if you say it once, maybe it will be easier to just then be able to, you know, move beyond this, like, roadblock you have. And she just, like, was in my living room. I just remember this moment so clearly. And she, you know, she said, I just... You know, I, you know, okay, he has autism. I said, there you go. I said, did it hurt? She was like, no, I guess not. I said, so say, you know, this is my grandson Isaac and he has autism. She's like, this is my grandson Isaac and he has autism. I said, do you love him any less? She was like, no, I just don't know like how to say it. And she said, you know, I'm sorry. And I was like, it's fine. But you know what? Once you get it out there, it's not so hard. It doesn't hurt, but like you can't, you know, like you're not being disrespectful to him and you know, you don't have to worry about labeling it. It's just, 
you know, um, say it, get it out of your system. And then like, let's move on. And she did. And she, um, the one thing I will say is that she, um, was always his, um, most vicious defender. I will say she was just a pit bull when it came to that child. And then once she got over that roadblock and, and she'll be the first one to tell you, I just really struggled. I just could not say the word. Um, and you know, once we moved beyond that, when Caleb got diagnosed, I don't think she liked it because he was, you know, Caleb and Isaac are polar opposites. Um, you know, Isaac, while they were very similar in terms of very limited in food, what they, you know, just being, you know, eaters and there's some sensory issues, you know, Isaac was much more challenged, whereas Caleb was more, um, you know, it's high functioning and, and um, can communicate. But, um, you know, and even still, she's she is very protective of Caleb. Um, and, you know, she, I will say she probably lets Caleb get a, away with a lot more than what she would ever let the other grandkids um, get away with, which, you know, pros and cons. So I don't ever have to worry about my mom holding uh, Caleb to, you know, the standard of his neurotypical siblings. I do worry that my mom is not being, um, holding him as accountable as she should compared to his cousins, so, and his siblings. I'm in a unique position because... My dad actually, uh, like I said, he's a large advocate for Cooper, and he pushes Cooper's limits, but he's always looking at the forefront of uh, treatments and things like this. He's big advocates of looking at CBD treatments and things like this, and he's always, uh, he's a smart guy, and anything he ever gets into, he researches, and he jumps in with both feet, and with Cooper, it's kind of the same thing, and um, it's funny that you mentioned labels, because he really doesn't label Cooper when there's a issue if he's in public or something else he says that's just cooper and i think that that's maybe and he understands i mean i don't think it's a reticence for him to call cooper autistic or say cooper has autism it's just the fact that he just accepts cooper for cooper and that's how cooper is and that's i think that there's he's comfortable with that and he doesn't have to feel like he has to defend cooper in that regard i suppose but i would say that i have other family members that um you know, this whole treatment options and this whole, the dietary things and all these things that have come about have been relatively recent, right? I mean, and some of my family is still 15 years ago, right? I mean, they, these kids are going to have, well, he's going to have seizures and he's going to have this and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And that kind of makes me angry, of course, and that can cause some friction sometimes because it's like, you know, you need to do more recent research and realize that that's not necessarily, these things aren't tied together necessarily. And I think sometimes that I, um, rather than have that conflict, I don't, I don't come around. I don't, I'm just not exposing Cooper to them, right? So, um, and it's not that uh, I'm angry or anything else. I guess it's just the fact that I don't want to get angry. Right? Out of sight, out of mind, I suppose. But at the end of the day, um, Cooper's going to be Cooper, and they're either going to accept him or they're not, and that's their choice. And if they choose to, like my dad, start researching and figuring out things and actually, uh, and I would say that he has gotten Cooper to do a lot of things that even I haven't been able to do just because he's around him and he enjoys the company and I think that um, he's insightful, very insightful and he's able to focus his attention. We all oftentimes have all these other distractions we deal with all the time. Well, my dad kind of walks on with Cooper one-on-one -on -one all the time and it gives him the opportunity to really focus just on Cooper's behaviors and the way he is. So I think that sometimes extended family can be a huge asset.
I guess that's my point in this whole rambling that I just uh, did there. But I think sometimes that they can be a huge asset. A grandparent is actually oftentimes can be that person. And I'm glad you structured it that way, John, because I mean, I am eternally grateful to both of uh, Morgan's set of grandparents for all the ways in which they love her in the ways that they're absolutely capable of. And let's be honest, we all have challenges and, you know, how we love all of our members of our family. And so they, they've done a fantastic job in that. It's interesting when we talk about challenges of extended family, because this one's interesting. I'm not sure if it's a challenge. I just think it's worth kind of sharing. Um, we're about to go to Chicago and uh, visit my sister and her kids. And she has three kids. And Morgan of uh, the grandkids it represents kind of the age range, the higher end. And her um, cousins, she's got some younger ones. And it's funny in that Morgan um, really connects with the little ones to the frustration of her sister, who's younger and seemingly age-wise would connect more. But And I just kind of figured out a way to quantify that and state it this week. Morgan, uh, she's got this cousin, Izzy, and Izzy just adores Morgan. And they're the youngest. They represent the youngest and the oldest. And those two kind of pair off together. And I realized Morgan allows the little ones to just, she invites them into her world and then just lets them do what they want. She'll have them say, come up to my room. And then she'll just let the per person roam around and do whatever the heck they want and just trying to kind of facilitate for them. Oh, do you want this? Do you want to do this? Piper, God love her, but she takes the little one like, here, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. And guess what? The little one doesn't necessarily want to do that. And then it leads to conflict, whereas Morgan just allows them to be. And I mean, it's just a really kind of fun thing to watch. You know, that's funny because I was at a wrestling um, event with my two older boys. Um, Tyler and Trevor had a wrestling meet, or I guess it was Trevor's wrestling meet, but we were all there. And um, this other mom, you know, her oldest son and Trevor wrestled together. And then their middle, um, so then um, the younger sister and Kelly are the same age, so they always go off and play. And then I have Caleb, who is actually older than Kelly, so he's actually 11. And then this family has a kindergartner, a little boy who's a kindergartner. And so this mom makes a comment to me. It's like, you know, oh, I just want you to know, I really appreciate that Caleb is just so patient and tolerant of my, you know, son who's, you know, just, he just always is hanging after Caleb. And Caleb is just so sweet and sits there and plays with them the whole time. Um, and I just really, I just appreciate that. It must just absolutely drive him nuts to always have this little kindergartner because Caleb's in the fifth grade, just constantly glomming onto him. And I just laughed and I said, I said, you know, I don't, I don't know if we've ever actually had this conversation. You know, do you, you know, I, don't, I don't know if you realize this, but Caleb has high functioning autism. So your son is like delightful to him. He looks forward to coming and spending time with him because he says he's one of his best friends. It's not that he's, you know, just putting up with this. He really genuinely enjoys your kindergartner because they have some of the same interests. Um, they have their little iPads there and they go back and forth and they'll run around in the gym. And it's a completely like peer-to-peer -peer relationship. And I said, so this is like, a dream for me you know yeah there's like an age discrepancy and a size discrepancy but like Caleb looks forward to this just as much as my daughter looks forward to coming and playing with your daughter and she was like you know I'll you know I guess I I, I had no idea I didn't even even think that that was a possibility and it's like well so now like don't feel bad about this this is a great opportunity for both of our families because while the big boys are doing their thing everybody's happy and we can sit here and read a book or drink some coffee or have a phone call or return messages you know what I mean but you're so right is that, you know, it's, it's, 
just it's a wonderful thing when that's you know there are times where you have extended family conflict but there are also many many times where that can actually um, work to your advantage um, so you know while we're talking about this particular topic because it's become can become a burr in your in your saddle if you will um, there's plenty of other like wonderful moments that family extended family create um, well so yeah I would say that there's some therapies that we've tried in the past that my dad didn't see the efficacy in, right? He didn't see that it was worthwhile, and and he's questioned it. And you know what? I I respect him for doing it, of course. But I would say that in some of these these uh, these therapies and, and some of these other things that um, he's hasn't been around to see the changes, you know, that, that we've seen, right? Uh, now I think that actually I think that's helping us. I think the fact that you know we're all I don't want to say we're looking for a magic pill or something else, but sometimes, like with my boy, because he's so well-functioning, well I would love to have a conversation with him. And, But by the same token, I don't have to worry about having a conversation with him because kids are making fun of the clothes he's wearing. So that's kind of nice, right? A kid that's a teenager, you know, that's all they're worried about is what people think of them, their self-image. They're trying to find, uh, as a typical kid, their place in the world. And with Cooper, I don't have to worry about that. But I would like to get inside his brain. I mean, it's one of those things where, um, so in saying that, we've been driven to try diets, we've been trying, you know, supplements, we've tried essential oils, we've tried all kinds of things to, to attempt to get more of him out, more of, more of Cooper. I want to see more of Cooper. I want him to, I want his expressive language to be better. I want him to be able to tell me how much my toe hurts. And so in, in searching for that, sometimes, well, have I wasted time and effort in, Probably treatments are probably, my dad is absolutely right. Actually, yeah, he does. He does. He definitely would agree with that. But in that, I have to also say that it's my job to try every, turn every stone, um, you know, and look under everything to try to find something that may bring a little more Cooper out. And in the end, maybe the 1%, the half percents, these little fragments of pieces that I've been pulling out in the therapies and the other things are going to add up to a lot, right? So that's that's my hope. But there's family members that um, I have that, uh, even brothers, I think that my youngest brother and I get along very well. We have a lot of the same beliefs and we have the same value system. And my older brother or my, my, my middle brother, not so much. I think some of the conflict that I have with him is necessarily our conflict and not necessarily Cooper's conflict. Um, and Sometimes I feel like he had a point in his life when he worked with, with uh, disabled children, and I think he, I felt like he thought he knew it all, and he, but he didn't know Cooper. So that caused a source of irritation for me at times, and I should have probably not been so argumentative, I suppose, because he is my younger brother, and uh, I, I felt that way. And that's my fault. That's my problem, not his. Really, right? I mean, I should be the bigger person. I think I have gotten so in hindsight, and I guess this is what I'm asking everybody is, are there, do you, is, do you ever look back at a situation and think, man, I wish I could go back and maybe change my response to that? Or, um, you know, cause I will say there are times where I've gotten, um, upset. You know, there was a comment that my mom said at one point and hindsight, you know, I do have, I wish I would have worded it differently. Like the message, overall message would have been the same, but you know, could I have worded it differently or, also, we've never talked about it again, um, you know, and I kind of feel like, well, maybe I should go back and say, hey, remember that time when I snapped at you about this? Like, I really, like, you know, I want to apologize and let's talk this out. 
but is there anything, you know, so I guess the first part of the question is, would you go back and do anything differently? Or, um, you know, or what would you recommend to people that may have some of these little blow-ups um, that you might suggest people try? Absolutely. I think that uh, my, in the heat of the moment, um, like I said, because of our relationship, I should have done a better job of giving him the background information that I had to where he could understand where I was coming from and where I was going with this, these, these treatments and these things. And, and, you know, that's my fault for not giving him that, that information. Right. So he had the same perspective, or at least he had my perspective. So that sometimes can be an issue when you have an emotional response to something, your higher brain function doesn't work. I mean, we know this, right? So sometimes when you get mad, you kind of, you, you don't act in an appropriate manner. You don't think in a higher manner like you should. You may be better, better suited to defend your argument or explain your position, right? So that's one of the things, and my brother, and I think we all know that some of our siblings have the best ways of pushing our buttons to get us from zero to to mock 10 in a hurry. I mean, that's, they've been their whole lives spent doing that. And I think that sometimes as we get older, we get better at not allowing them to do that. But, and I've grown a lot myself. I think actually having Cooper has made me grow a lot personally uh, in perspectives of other, other people because I've been trying to gain his perspective, right? Something you alluded to earlier, John, I wanted to address, and you said, you know, it's not like we're searching for a magic pill. Um, I am. <laughs> I, I, no, honestly, I mean, but I, you, I think parents could connect to the mindset of, God, if this thing would just work and take it all away. I mean, we, I think we have to be honest in that there are days where we just wish that would be the case. Um, but a couple things, alluding to what you said, John, um, I couldn't even bring out the fact um, to certain family members that we were going to try the CBD. Um, we just had to do it under the radar and that's what we were going to do. And we were going to see if it was going to work. And I think it's cool that a lot of the conflict, it sounds like coming from your family is the fact that everyone seems to be engaged in the situation. Maybe they're not going about it in the same fashion, but it seems like everybody has a common interest there. And of course, in that situation, there's going to be conflict, especially when it's family. Um, but it seems like everybody is at least focused on the common goal. So, I mean... If that's where the conflict comes from, you know, it's going to happen, but it seems like it's all coming from a good place. That's an excellent perspective, and actually, I really appreciate that. i got to tell you, there's been times when we've had some of these podcasts we've been recording, and one of the moms or one of the dads or David or Harm or somebody else will say something, and it's their perspective that really gives me more insight. And actually, I feel like I'm growing as we even do these podcasts because I'm gaining a perspective that I never had from someone who has, you know, done, who has a perspective that I just don't have. And I'm getting that, though, but I, I really enjoy that. So, excellent point. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. What I'm going to say, too, is that when you're talking about somebody's family conflict, sometimes I, you know, just, again, going back to that situation where we're, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas, and, you know, they, they want to turn the channel, and then Isaac starts melting down. I have to be honest with you a lot of the perceived problem is probably all in my head. Like I am feeling like people are getting angry at me because now my child is melting down and I'm worried and I'm stressed out about like trying to get him to calm down because I don't want to upset. You know what I mean? And that's the thing is, is I feel sometimes we're just very hypersensitive. We take every little thing, um, every comment, well, you know, and just assume that it's meant to be, um, you know, a jab or, 
you know, and, and not compassionate. And again, so I would say, again, <clears throat> you know, if some of my extended family were to listen to this podcast, they would probably say we weren't upset at all. Like that wasn't at all anything that we were feeling. But in my mind at the moment, that was my biggest fear. Is, you know, because let's be real, when you're on an airplane and you have that screaming tantrum kid, you're just kind of like, it's hard to not just want to. Um, and it could very well be that people were going outside to play just so that we had more space so that we had less going on. But in my mind, it's just kind of like, oh, he's annoying everybody. And this is the worst Thanksgiving in the whole entire world. Right. Again, it's perspective and just trying to understand that it may not actually be what you have played out or what you're thinking is happening in your head. And so sometimes some of those good conversations early on can save a lot of feelings about we are never going over there for Thanksgiving again. If they want to see us, they can come to Spokane. Do you know what I mean? And that's kind of what ends up happening when it's really not what's, what the, what the big picture is, but that's basically what your, your knee-jerk response is. And it's just, um, I think a lot of that happens because of just, you know, lack of communication and just not really even understanding where, what other people's perspective is. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe and just remember we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.